Welcome back, friends! Lost Garf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast! Here we talk about everything Kirby, from the games to the people behind making Kirby, and the show Kirby Right Back at ya. I've been a fan of Kirby since the first game. I was five years old, I got a Game Boy and Kirby's Dreamland for my birthday, and I've played Kirby ever since, love Kirby so much. I want to know everything there is about Kirby. I want to be the Kirby guy. That is kind of the plan here as we do this podcast. I main through line of the podcast is the 100-episode anime of Kirby Red Back At you. That way we're consistent. But sprinkled within is going to be a video on every single game. We've already gone through three so far, and we're going to get through every single game eventually. We're also going to talk about the manga, uh, the cafe, just everything. Everything's going to get talked about eventually, and also people who made the games, of course. So if you're a big fan of Kirby, follow us and have your friends follow as well, because this is going to be a heck of a podcast for years to listen to. We also have a Twitter, which is at Kirby Dreamcast, and we'll occasionally tweet about the podcast. At least once a day is my plan there to just say, here's the podcast, maybe miss this episode, and things like that. It'll also have a lot of Kirby fan art on there and official Kirby accounts as well. Everything Kirby. It's just going to be nothing but Kirby on that account. You can currently find us on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play Music, and eventually we'll hopefully be on everything that we can be. The main difference between YouTube and the others is, of course, video format. We have a lot of visual things you can look at while listening to the podcast, but they're not meant to be necessary because a podcast is, you know, a listening thing. But we put that little extra mile on the YouTube version if you want to watch it as well. So let's get started already. So of course the big news has got to be Super Kirby Clash being on the Switch, so you can play that, and it's for free to download from the Nintendo Store. Also, there's going to be Super NES Online, and uh, that's if you have, of course, Online Switch. And that's going to have, from what we saw, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Kirby's Avalanche, Kirby's Dream Course. So, so many Kirby games you can play. There's just so much Kirby available to you now without having to rely on, like, emulators. So, this is huge. Good time to be a Kirby fan. The other news is, Big Small Company's Beam Kirby Nendoroid is now out for purchase in Japan. You can also order it from uh, importers like Itu, Hizu, and uh, Crunchyroll. I probably recommend Crunchyroll because that's all English. Uh, it costs $60 on Crunchyroll, though, Kirby and Cheap, and it will come out a couple months later, unfortunately. But, you know, at least it's a good place to get through because, you know, Crunchyroll is a big company, and they don't want to do you wrong. Other news is that I'm starting on the fourth video game episode, and that will be Kirby's Dream Course. And that game is really fun, but also really hard. Oh my god, it's so fun, though. It's like my favorite golf game besides Mario Golf. In retrospect, there's not a lot of golf games, but I can't wait to talk about it in the future and just any facts we can learn about it. The tricky part to some of these old games is, if it wasn't the mainline Kirby games, there isn't a lot of talk about them, so I don't know how much facts there are about Dream Course, but whatever I can find, I will tell you about. And it should come out sometime late September or early October, unless something happens. So today's episode, episode 23 of Kirby Right Back to Anime, and it is titled The Empty Nest Mess, which is, oh my god, the alliteration the US is trying to do there. And for Japan, it is Stray Dynababy. So, just more to the point there. I like, I like the US version more just because they're just trying to be clever there. It doesn't work completely, that's not a rhyme there, but yeah, they tried. So, for the most part, the difference between the US and Japanese versions is the US cut a bunch of the panning shots out. I think this is for pacing and probably to shorten the episode for more commercials, because of course they did. And that's usually how it is for a lot of episodes. But sometimes they do keep some shots and you're like, huh, it's interesting they kept those in. But that's really the main difference. Uh, usually there's also a difference of profanity. Tiff actually curses a lot in the Japanese version, which is amazing. But in the US version, of course, she doesn't. And this episode, you don't see her a lot, so there's not much cursing from her. Any other things that are the difference between the US and Japanese that are worth mentioning, I will mention as the episode goes. So the episode starts with us seeing a giant hand with a big syringe. Like, the hand's, like, in a, like, a medical glove. It's like, yellow instead of, like, white. So it's not Master Hand. 
and King Dedede comments that he thought Operation Big Shot was named after him. But no, it's because Escargoon made a giant hand with a syringe that contains the formula that Escargoon invented that lets them turn anything into a monster. That is, this big shot turns monsters into big shots. So Escargoon uses the formula on a caterpillar at first just to show what it can do. That's a garden caterpillar that he has. And at first, nothing happens. Then boom, it turns into a giant monster that looks like it could have come from Nightmare Enterprises themselves. It's got all jaggedy and everything like that. And then the monster attacks Escargoon and King Dedede. It crushes King Dedede under its weight, and has Escargoon in its mandibles. Looks like it's gonna kill both of them. At first, they're freaking out, especially Escargoon, but then King Dedede starts laughing because now he doesn't need to order monsters from Nightmare Enterprises anymore. Well... The opener happens next, and it's an awesome opener, but let's talk about that caterpillar. So, the caterpillar is named Emo Mushi, and we never see it again. Or the formula. This is a really weird plot point in this episode. We get a new monster that never appears again, so somehow King Dedede and Escargoon got rid of it, and for some reason, they never use this formula again to make their own monsters. The formula is going to be important in this episode, of course, but the fact it doesn't get used again later is really weird. Because you can obviously assume that the formula is going to get destroyed in this plot point, but why wouldn't they make it again? If Escargoon made it once, he could make it again. But we never see it again. It's a very weird thing because why wouldn't you keep making this formula to make your own monsters? It's very odd. So after the opener, we see the Cappies in Cappytown going about normal life. A woodsman is cutting a tree in the forest and his sheep are grazing. But then a strong gust of wind comes in and blows the woodsman away. Like, we don't see where he lands. The sheep also get blasted off as well. And those poor sheep. So many times have they been tormented in this show. It's kind of crazy. And a bunch of Cappytown gets thrown up. By the wind as well, like there's just damage to the, to the town through wind damage. It's crazy. And we then see Dynablade quickly flying over the town. By the way, those poor sheep, I feel like we need a counter. I think they've been tormented I, how many times at this point? They're eaten by the octopus. What was, oh, there's so many times they've been attacked. I have my own go back and see how many times they've been attacked and maybe we do a counter for it because they've gotten a lot of punishment and they're going to get more in the show. By the way, with Dynablade here, the 3D budget goes to Dynablade, which means there's a lot of hand-drawn Kirby this episode. You get a good amount of hand-drawn Kirby in a lot of episodes, but usually you get almost exclusively hand-drawn Kirby in episodes where there's a lot of 3D being used, because Kirby's usually where the 3D budget goes. It's an interesting difference there, and because of that, and because of the time, this is like 20 years ago, uh, Kirby is just better emotive in 2D form, and I'm going to probably talk about that a little bit as this episode goes. So after Dynablade has flown over the village and, the, and leaves, Everyone comes out of their buildings like, ooh, that was rough, and they're wondering why Dynablade is so restless. The usual cappies like Chief Bookum, the mayor, and Chief and Chef Kawasaki talk to each other wondering what's wrong. Then Professor Kirio comes over to do an exposition dump. So he talks about the events of Episode 7, when Dynablade first came to Cappytown to lay her egg. Because once every 100 years, the newest Dynablade comes to give birth to the next Dynablade. And after the hijinks of Episode 7 which we have an episode of, of course, in the podcast. Check that out if you haven't heard that one, if you're a new listener. Kirby hatched and protected Dynachick and safely brought them back to Dynablade. After trying to eat Dynachick when they were a Dyna egg. <laughs> that, it's, it's quite a thing. You haven't seen the episode? That is a thing. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a very fun episode, and it's an incredibly well-drawn Kirby episode as well. So Professor Kirio says that Dynablade has been raising Dynachick in the nearby mountain ever since that episode, which is like the game as well. Dyn Dynablade has a mountain. And he wonders if maybe Dynachick has something going wrong with him. And the Cappies all look really worried. And Kirby overhears this because he's hanging out in Cappytown, and he gets really worried too. And Kirby looks really anxious. Like, you could see it on Kirby's face, like he's worried. You can also hear it with the voice acting as well. 
And Takori's sitting on Kirby's head, and he asks Kirby if he ate Dynachick. <laughs> Kirby and Takori are this weird relationship. Kirby always tries to make friends with everyone, unless it's a monster trying to kill him. He's tried to make friends with monsters before, but he doesn't turn on- he doesn't try to kill them until they try to kill him first. That's Kirby right there. It's full of wants kind of situation. So of course Kirby makes friends with Takori, who's the meanest bird in town. Takori for some reason likes to hang out with Kirby and insult him every chance he gets, which is pretty mean. And Takori will eventually be the only one in town who understands Kirby's poyos. Like, that's gonna be displayed in a later episode. Not even Tiff figures out Kirby's language. Which is a surprise, cause she's like, kinda like his big sister mom figure. And she doesn't learn this? That's kinda interesting. Despite how close they get though, Takori will be the one that says the meanest, most hurtful thing to Kirby in the show. But we're like 30 episodes away from that one, so it's gonna be a while till we get to that point. So cut to later, and we see Kirby in the woods, searching. And Decori's with him, trying to talk Kirby out of what he's doing. Kirby's trying to find his way to Dynablade's nest to check on Dynachick. Takori though says he's not going to drag him into this mess again, and Kirby ignores him and heads off. Takori gives in and follows Kirby. So Takori is, you know, he's a loner, he's a jerk and all that stuff, so he doesn't want to do anything. But he's looking out for Kirby, and he's like, alright, I'll, I'll go, go with you. You know, Kirby doesn't ask him. Kirby's just doing his thing, because that's what Kirby is. Kirby does the nice thing. Kirby tries to do the right thing without thinking. That's what he do. Kirby runs into the action. And right now, he's worried about Dynachick, so he's heading towards Dynachick. Next, we see Kirby climbing Dynablaze Mountain, and eventually running out of hiking space to climb. So now he's gonna have to, like, climb with his hands or fly up, because, you know, Kirby can fly. Kirby looks up at the top of the mountain, worried. And Takori says, fine, I'll go check it out, and flies ahead of Kirby to go check out the top of the mountain. When Takori gets up there, he finds an empty nest, which surprises him. And Takori starts searching the nest. Meanwhile, Kirby hears cries of Dynachick and rushes to the sound. And now we see what's going on. King Dedede and Escargoon have birdnapped Dynachick. We see them holding Dynachick in a birdcage while complaining at each other about how it's their fault they're in the mess they're in. It's a lot of theirs there. <laughs> like, they're blaming each other. Also that they need to hurry up and get Dynachick out of there before Dynablade catches them, because, of course, Dynablade catches them. They're dead. They're gonna die. It's a big bird. It don't care. Dynachick then shakes the cage loose from King Dedede's grasp and falls to their death. Luckily, no, but they fall pretty far off the mountain. Dynachick is pretty tough, apparently, for a little bird, considering what they become, and we next see the cage is broken on the ground, and Dynachick is a bit of a distance away from it, knocked out. Dynachick comes to, and Kirby finds them and excitedly runs up to them and talks to them, because that's what Kirby does. And Dynachick flashes back to when Kirby fed them bananas, and remembers Kirby, and they happily hug. That was from episode 7. Takori finds the two of them and yells at Dynachick that they need to get Dynachick back up to the nest because their mom is having a conniption fit and they need to get him up there. But because Takori's yelling at him, it freaks out Dynachick and Dynachick grabs Kirby and throws him at Takori and runs away. His thread just straight up lobs him at him. It's like, wow. Takori just has no sense of delicacy. The two rush after Dynachick, of course. We then see King Didi and Escargoon finding the cage and getting mad at each other again. King Dedede blames Escargoon for slipping on the ladder, and Escargoon blames King Dedede for losing his grip on the cage. We then see what happened. The night before, the two of them were quietly putting Dynachick into a cage, and while they were climbing down the ladder, it's actually King Dedede who slips on the ladder, and they both lose their grip on the cage. And it falls, makes a noise, and the two drive away. Dynablade wakes up and cries out looking for their baby. So, what this means is, Dynachick was in a cage, and they got dropped, and they've just been in this cage all night. Who knows where, because it's f apparently far enough away from Dynablade to not hear their own baby, and they've just been stuck there for a while, until, well, everyone finds them again that morning. 
King Dedede then threatens to get a new flunky, and Escargoon says, fine, he'll update his resume, which is a funny interaction. Japanese when they're just yelling at each other. Cutting back to Dynachick, we see them running for a while, and then they stop when they catch a glimpse of Cappy Town from the hill they're standing on. Kirby and Takori finally catch up, and they're just out of breath. It's funny to see that. And Takori says, okay, he's had his fun, it's time to go home, and Dynachick runs towards Cappy Town instead. And the two, of course, follow, and Takori's like, here we go again, because that's what it is. There they go again. Dynachick gets down to the road, and we see the mayor and his wife in their car. And they see Dynachick, and then they swerve, and then BAM! They hit a tree, and it destroys their car. This is the second or third time the mayor's car has been destroyed. Just totally wrecked, and it's gonna happen again, by the way. It's gonna happen a few times. It is a reoccurring joke. The first time we saw it was when Krakow hit it with lightning, and we see it again now. So, the mayor's bad luck counter is at, like, two or maybe three with his car. That poor car. Next, we see Mabel the Gypsy and Buttercup, Chief Bookham's wife, chatting and enjoying themselves, and they're interrupted by seeing Dynachick gargling the water at a fountain. Mabel says she could not have predicted a gargling Dynachick. In the Japanese version, they think it's a chicken crossing the road, which is an interesting joke to make. So in one version, they know who Dynachick is. The other version, they don't know who Dynachick is. And going back to episode 7, we see a lot of Cappies there when Dynachick is found by Dynablade. Mabel and Buttercup are not one of those people, so it's possible they have no idea what Dynachick looks like, although a lot of people would. We then see Tiff and Tuff for the first time in the episode, and Dynachick runs by them. Then Kirby and Takori run by, and the two follow. So... The animation of Kirby is great in this episode. Kirby gets worried at different points about Dynachick, and it just looks, it's expressed very well. You can tell Kirby looks very worried. In this scene right here, Kirby's running, and it just looks better. It looks more fluid than when he runs in, in 3D form. Just looks better. Not knocking 3D Kirby, he looks good as well at times. But there is a difference whenever it happens where we see a lot more 2D and 3D, and Kirby just looks better in this form here. He's just more expressive. It's just nice. If you need examples of how to draw Kirby... These episodes really help you get a better idea how to do it. Then we see Dynachick wrecking the place. Dynachick goes to Telgo's grocery store and just crashes into Telgo and just messes up the store. Then Dynachick goes and eats someone else's hot pot at Chef Kawasaki's restaurant and he chases them off. Then Dynachick is causing a ruckus at Gengu's store, hopping around and making noise in the stuffed animal pit. Just, they're just everywhere. And we just hear a bunch of people just, they're just dealing with Dynachick. We then see the kids finally almost catching up with Dynachick and now there's adults following as well. Everyone's chasing after a very happy Dynachick. They're having a lot of fun. We see Professor Curio carefully, carefully putting back together an extremely broken vase. It's like a hundred pieces. And he's about to put in the last one. He gets it there. He's finished. Good job, Professor Curio. And then BAM! Dynachick runs over it and breaks it to a bunch of pieces again. And Professor Curio is understandably unhappy about that. He's like, no... Dynachick runs around a little bit, and then Dynachick comes back and nuzzles Professor Curio. Then Dynachick stops running around when they see Dynablade's feather in Curio's shop. Dynachick walks over and hugs the feather. Curio mentions that it's one of Dynablade's feathers, which, yeah, you might not know that if you didn't see the early episode. And he got it from episode 7. It's a prized possession for Professor Curio because he's lucky enough to live at this period where Dynablade shows up. Since it's every 100 years, he might not have seen it. And the kids see this, and Tiff and Tuff resolve to help Dynachick get back to their nest. But then they hear King Dedede outside. He wants them to give Dynachick to them, so he can return Dynachick to Dynablade. Tiff and Tuff refuse, because of course they should, and they say they're the ones that are going to do it, because no one should trust King Dedede and Escargoon ever. But the two of them, King Dedede and Escargoon, angrily drive away. The kids tell Dynachick they're going to take them home, and Dynachick happily follows them. Finally, Dynachick is following, instead of running around everywhere. 
The rest of the Cappies wonder how something so scrawny could become something so brawny, and Kirio tells them that it'll happen with the help of Dynablade protecting their chick, because yeah, <laughs> what a mom do? Then there's a quick cut to Dynablade searching for their child with very ominous music, because Dynablade's gonna wreck some things if they don't get their kids soon. We then see King Dedede and Eskergun planning to ambush the kids. As they walk, they come upon a river and Dynachick goes to get a drink. Then wham! King Dedede and Eskergun catch Dynachick in a net. Tiff of course yells at them to give Dynachick back, but King Dedede just laughs them off and he says he's taking the chick. But then Dynachick jumps out of the net and falls right into the river, and uh-oh, that's not good. Now Dynachick is struggling not to drown while everyone rushes to save Dynachick, or steal them in the case of King Dedede. Meanwhile, Dynablade thinks they hear something and rush over to it as well. So everything's converging at this river at the moment here. Everyone's trying to save Dynachick, steal Dynachick, get their baby back, everything's happening right there. But eventually, they get to a point at the river where they can't follow by running anymore, and Kirby looks extremely worried. He just looks so, so not happy about the situation. So Tiff says, okay, I'm going to summon the, the Warp Star for Kirby, and she tells Takori to go follow Dynachick down the river. And that's Tiff's skill. Tiff has the skill to come up with plans and tell people what they need to do really quick. Just a great planner and delegator, so go Tiff there. Eventually, the Warp Star shows up, and Kirby flies to follow. And we see Dynachick grab onto a log in the river, and Takori catches up with Dynachick and tells him to hold on because Kirby's coming. Kirby finds him, and he's heading down from the sky. But then Dynablade shows up, and she's looking to murder her some Kirby. She must remember that Kirby tried to eat Dynachick once, and so she thinks he must know where her baby is. Or maybe it's time for some revenge, because maybe he ate him already. And Kirby does know where the baby is, and trying to get it back to her, but she's not asking questions here. She's just taking things the wrong way and going right for Kirby. She doesn't see her kid in the river. And so Kirby has to fly away to try to survive down to Blade's wrath. So now it's time for a big sky chase scene. So Kirby flies away high into the sky, and then he tries to turn around and maybe reason with Dynablade, but she doesn't reason with him. She crashes right by him, and he gets spun around by the force. She then chases him some more and gets really close, like they're just flying really fast, and her beak is almost at Kirby. Like, she almost gets a bite into him. Kirby, though, flies faster and faster into a canyon, and then goes around corners and turns and twists. He just goes every way he can to get away from her. And Dynablade ain't having any of it. Kirby's going around rocks and just walls. She's going through the walls. She's going through the rocks. She doesn't care about anything. She's going through everything, because she's going to mess up Kirby something fierce. But eventually, Kirby makes enough turns, and Dynablade breaks off, because it's a spot that's just too tight for her, and she can't break through, I guess. And Kirby looks behind him and breathes a sigh of relief. Until Dynablade swoops down in, right in front of him, and we see Kirby trying to stop, and he's trying to stop, he's gonna hit the wall, which is Dynablade, and, the, and we have the foreground as the camera looking at Kirby, so Kirby's flying into us, into the camera, and then cut. <laughs> Cutting back to the river, we see the water has steadied, and Takori and Dynachick are hanging onto the log. And according to Takori, the falls were rough, but they survived thanks to the log. So we missed a lot of really rough things happening to them, because Kirby had his own rough thing. And that's one way to make you just imagine what terrible things happened to them on the way to that point. But unfortunately, even though things have calmed down, King Didi and Escargoon are laying in wait, and they do another ambush, and they take Dynachick right in front of Takori. Takori gets the tiff, and he tells her that, yep, uh, Dynachick's been taken by King Dedede. So she tells him, well, then go tell Kirby. He's like, oh, right, Kirby, I should go tell him, right. So back in the sky, Kirby is still flying away from Dynachick. He's flying higher, and higher, and higher. But then Dynachick finally gets her beak on him. She grabs the Warp Star in her beak, and she starts shaking him off, trying to shake him off of it, and he's hanging on for dear life. Kirby is trying not to lose grip on his star. But then Dynachick throws the star, and that force throws Kirby off the star, and Kirby plummets to his death. 
Almost, of course, because as Kirby falls to the ground, Takori catches up. Like, they're just falling. And Takori catches up and tells Kirby that Dynachick's been taken to the castle. Get over there. And so Kirby's like, okay. The Warp Star comes back, get, catches Kirby just in time so he doesn't die horribly, and he heads to the castle. We then see Dynachick in yet another cage in King Diddy's castle, and they activate the big shot. The big hand slowly moves down with the syringe. It aims it at Dynachick and slowly moves towards Dynachick. Dynachick, of course, looks very worried because, yeah, something's about to happen and that don't look like a nice thing. Also, kids don't like needles. Back outside, we see Kirby flying as fast as he can to King Diddy's castle with Dynablade close behind. Eventually, Kirby gets to the castle and flies to the outside balconies. And Dynablade is right behind Kirby and her wings are destroying the columns of the castle. As she's falling because it's a, it's a tight area. It's like, mm, like butter building. Like it's, there's that outside kind of balcony area and there's like columns on the outside to I just give support. And she's destroying all of them as she's chasing Kirby. That's what's happening here. And then this amazing scene happens. As Kirby's flying, he whizzes by Meta Knight. Go, he yells Kirby really quick so because he's going past him. And then we see Meta Knight keeping up with Kirby because he's flying just as fast as Kirby with the help of Falala and Folalo carrying him to keep pace with Kirby. And he tells Kirby that Dynachick is in the throne room with King Didi and Escargoon. And this is amazing on so many levels. Because not only is Meta Knight teamed up with Falala and Folalo, but the two of them are able to match Kirby's speed together while carrying a load, that is Meta Knight, and they are, by the way, flying sideways. They're flying sideways while carrying Meta Knight, keeping pace with Kirby, outpacing Dynablade. That is how fast these two are. Holy crap, that's kind of amazing. Cut back to Dynachick. The needle's getting really, really close, and any second now, Dynachick's gonna become a monster, and King Didi's gonna order that monster to kill Kirby, because of course he is. But just in time, Kirby shows up, breaks through the wall, and then Dynablade breaks in right behind him. And Dynablade is, of course, confused by the situation, but they see Dynachick, and Dynachick is happy to see their mother. Takori tells Dynablade that it has been these two who took Dynachick, and they're trying to turn her child into a flying freak show. Dynablade understands, because I guess they speak bird, and, well, <laughs> of course, and jumps on King Diddy and Escargoon with their talons, and with one wing, slaps the big shot into the wall, and breaks it. She then beaks the lock with her, well, she beaks the lock, and Dynachick's freed from the cage, and then they nuzzle their mother. So, the formula's destroyed, but Escargoon's the one who made it. They didn't buy it. Escargoon made it, so he can make it again, but we never see it again. It's so weird. So Kirby is acknowledged as being the hero again, and Kirby happily's just all wells that ends well with him. He's just happy everything's working out, and Dynablade flies away with Dynachick on her back, and Kirby happily waves at them, and they happily wave back, and it's uh, goodbye. We then see that King Didi and Escargoon are still in Dynablade's talons, by the way, and he yells at her and orders her to let him down. So she does. She lets him go. And now it's their turn to follow their death. <laughs> but they're not going to die, of course. But they're falling, and they're really falling. And they're yelling at each other, because of course they are. And then Escargoon says, the room for survival is taking a nosedive, because oh my god, the puns of this show. King Didi says, Escargoon's fired if they die. That's what he says. They're fired if he dies. What? And then Escargoon somehow just floats through the air to King Diddy and grabs onto his back and he's like, hopefully your belly will break our fall. And he's like, oh my god. But fortunately for them, they land in the river. The final shot of the episode is Takori sitting on Kirby's head and telling him that he's like a fly in a marmalade factory. He's always getting stuck in a jam. And Kirby just looks confused at him. The end. The Japanese version gives an interesting context to his reaction and it actually changes it in my mind, I feel. Just, it changes the context of the reaction, because Kirby's kind of a blank slate, and it gives it a different kind of look. 
and the Japanese version, Takori says he must be a good person for sticking with Kirby to the end of all that situation. And Kirby's reaction looks more like one of surprise at the thought of Takori being a good person. I swear that's the context it gives it, and that's the reaction it gets for my interpretation. It's interesting. But it is true, though. Takori stuck around to help through that entire ordeal, when normally he would figure Takori would just leave because Takori just washes his wings of things usually. He doesn't want to deal with the situation, he just gets out of there. But this time, he stuck around. Which means Kirby is influencing this jerk bird. But not completely, considering later episodes where he's a real jerk bird. <laughs> but that ending is so abrupt, by the way. So, the pacing of this episode is kind of ridiculous. Something's up with Dynachick, Kirby in investigates, we learn the villains are trying to turn Dynachick into a monster, Dynachick rampages across Cappy Town. The river rescue abruptly turns into a chase scene, and then the chase ends with Dynachick getting quickly rescued, and then the episode's over. It's so wild. It's just a wild episode. It's all over the place, but it's kind of fun at the same time. But I really thought they were going to turn Dynachick into a monster. And I thought Kirby was going to have to fight them. And I thought with the power of friendship, that's who Kirby is, would turn them back. But no, that's not what happened. I really thought that was going to happen, but no, it went a whole different way with it, and it was a fun way, though. And that is the end of episode 23 of Kirby Right Back At Ya. The next episode is going to be really good, by the way. I love this episode. Episode 24, all I gotta say is the ninja episode. And it is a very enjoyable episode. It's a lot of fun. The fight's fun. Everything before it's fun. It's, it's just a great episode, and I can't wait. I can't wait for that one. It's, it's a good one. The ninja episode, Ninja Kirby, is so good. And with that ends our Kirby Dreamcast podcast. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Podbean, Google Music Play, and iTunes. iTunes cares about reviews, so please give us one if you listen to us on there. Also, share us with other Kirby fans. This podcast is going to eventually cover 100% of all Kirby content that exists, and it's going to be a fun ride. So it'd be great if more people hear it so that we can all talk about it. So that was this episode of Kirby's Dreamcast. I had fun talking. I hope you had fun watching and or listening. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time.